Choose your player. Hello. Hello, my name is Tyler Esselman. My name is Michael Osinski, and I have been obsessed with Radiohead. And I have been obsessed with Radiohead since 17, 17 years, old. years old. The one word that sums up my obsession is... The one word that sums up my obsession is multimedia. Sustenance. Check, 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 Watermelon rhubarb, rhubarb watermelon. <laughs> Unique New York. Okay. Red leather, yellow leather. Oh, good one. Good leather, one. Yellow Red leather, leather, yellow leather. leather, yellow leather. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Nerdy Obsession, the podcast where we dive into and uncover people's nerdy obsessions. My name is Michael Oanakenbach, as always, and... On today's episode, we have the first ever, well, they aren't technically strangers anymore, but technically they're strangers still to me. <laughs> um, I uh, was on their podcast. They are on the Your Nerdy Obsession podcast. Their podcast is called This One Goes to Eleven, where we talked about a delicious album, which I will let them talk about if they want. If not, you'll get a teaser later. Um, Michael Osinki and Tyler Esselman. Hello and Welcome. Hello. Go, go for it. Say it at the yeah. same time. Yeah. I saw you both just pause right there. Of course. Who's going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys both for coming. I truly appreciate it. Other than uh, Michael, let's start, let's start with you. Just intro yourself. Other than um, the podcast host of This One Goes to Eleven, uh, tell my listeners about you. Sure. I'm uh, based in Philadelphia. I'm uh, primarily a theater director, but also producer, also adjunct professor, also divisor, also, you know, lots of I'm, I'm, I'm multi hyphenate, but, uh, but that's, that's my primary <laughs> jam anyway. And Tyler. Hi, I'm Tyler. And I am in addition to, um, making this podcast, making this one goes to 11 with my dear friend, Michael, uh, which has been a life giving endeavor. Um, I, in addition to doing that, I'm an actor by training, actor, writer, um, theater maker. I've, uh, I'm currently based in Los Angeles, so I'm out here. Uh, doing that thing, figuring out this landscape, doing some improv, um, writing some, writing some, and and spending a lot of, as much time as possible outside, which is always my, uh, which is always my thing. I'm a lover of trees. I'm right, a lover of trees. We you know, <laughs> make sense I'm while you're out there foliage. in LA because yeah. I like I like nature, but from my window. Uh, <laughs> <which is why laughs> I'm in the city of Chicago. Sure. <laughs> am I going to go taste that tree? Am I going to go? Am I going to go put my lips on that tree? That's exactly. kind of how I feel. That's how you That's feel. I like it. You're a true yeah. tree hugger. Are, I love it. Different relationships with nature. <laughs> <laughs> necessary. Well, you two gentlemen um, are talking to me about something today that I know zero about. Excellent. Um, your podcast, this one goes to 11, uh, is about music and about albums. Um, and people who do listen to the show, because I have brought it up before in some episodes, is music um, is something that I connect with on feeling. We talk about it a lot more in depth on this one goes to 11 as well. But the only 
song that I know of this band is their debut popular single, Creep. Legitimately looked up all of them. Remember, none of the titles make, I don't don't know them at all. <laughs> I knew of the lead singer because I just know he's problematic. <laughs> and, um, which we'll get in, in terms of like his, his personality, not in terms of what he That's does. He's, he's, yeah. He's mowed a bit in his adult age. <laughs> yeah, so. that's fair. But we are talking about, of course, Radiohead. Your yes. guys' true love, your your passion, your, your everything. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Tyler, I'm going to start with you. Talk to us. Tell us a little bit about why you love Radiohead. What kind of triggered your love of Radiohead? For sure. Uh, it is a, a, a long it is a long long tale and as you know this, this podcast that we do is not just an excuse to talk about Radiohead as often as possible in a recorded fashion but it, it oftentimes ends up being that way uh, so for me the, it, but it all starts about 17 years old and and uh, and hadn't been listening to uh, much you know I'd been listening to some I don't want to say I've been listening to a lot of nice music, a lot of Billy Joel, a lot of uh, nice lot of, music. Like, kind of, yeah. It's a pop Billy Joel, like piano, or you mean more I like lyrics so. of niceness? What do you mean? I think the nice, it was not as challenging as, as, as more of the music that I listen to now, maybe on an intellectual level or a, an emotional level, um, which, Hey, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, a, um, putting Billy Joel down very necessary part of the musical ecosystem, but that was the sort of stuff that I was listening to, um, before in my uh, younger adolescence. And then, uh, I was about 17 and, uh, my friends in high school introduced me, uh, because their older siblings were listening to Radiohead as like you do. I, I feel like that's very often how its older siblings uh, are the trickle down of their music uh, sometimes gets to us. And, uh, and I was just hooked. I was hooked. There was something mysterious about them and something that I had um, an emotional, an emotional honesty that I had never felt in music before. And, uh, and I've kind of now grown with this band in, um, in a certain sense. Uh, so they they feel like a part of my life. They feel like they're they're just running through uh, running through my DNA. <laughs> I love that, Michael. Is that similar to you, or it was uh, siblings, or what's your story? How did you get connected with Radiohead? I mean, for me, it was uh, a per, uh, my own personal discovery. I uh, I don't know if, if your listeners were a member of the or the existence of these organizations called Columbia House and BMG. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, a while back you could get ten CDs for the price of like seven ninety nine or something like that. Sort of this mail order thing where you join this CD club to get as many CDs as, as, as you can uh, for a very short, very small amount of money. Um, and I, I had heard of Radiohead at the time. Um, and they were, their albums were included in the, the BMG catalog. And I was just sort of intrigued and I was primarily intrigued because I had seen one of their music videos and it's not creep, but it's this song called just, which features the band, the band's playing the song and whatnot. But there's also this story that runs through the video where there's this guy walking down the sidewalk and he trips over another guy who's lying down on the sidewalk. And the whole video is this dialogue between the two of them where he's trying to figure out why this guy is lying on the ground. And the guy lying on the ground is saying, I can't tell you. If I tell you, then you'll be you'll 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 never your whole life will be changed. Nothing will be the same again. And it builds up. And finally, at the climax of the song, 
he whispers into the guy's ear why he's lying on the ground. But we, as the people watching the video, do not know what he's saying. The whole video has been subtitled the whole way. But when you when you learn, well, we, we never learn what happened. And then the final shot of the video is tons of people lying flat on the sidewalk for some unknown reason. So the sort of combination of their like rock sensibility, plus the this mystique and this mystery behind uh, their their music videos and their storytelling. I mean, that's that that hooked it for me. I just knew there was something different and weird about them. And and so I I got the album from BMG and the the rest is history. Oh, I love that. What um you you brought up something both of you kind of did. So with that intriguing factor, right? So Tyler, you were saying like you heard them from the, the from the older siblings and like you just kind of fell into your DNA. And Michael, similar with you, when you saw that video, right? Like that intriguing thing, something different clicked. So what about their weirdness? detracted you whoever wants to go just go for it <laughs> for me and i i think what michael is saying the first of all the just video it, like he's saying is is incredible it's an epic one and um and it was at a very particular time in their uh in their you know growth where i think music videos were even more important than they are now you know like that's really um having having an amazing music video was a uh, was a big deal uh and so for that one to be so electrifying is uh was awesome and i think it's that it's the image that michael just talked about where you he whispers the answer to why he was lying on the ground in his ear and we don't find out what it is i felt like this music wasn't giving me too many answers and it wasn't telling me it wasn't telling me how to feel about it um which other things that i was listening to i'm sure were have were that was their intention as well. But it was the first time it really hit me in that way where I was like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm in dialogue with this music. I am, I'm a participant in, in whatever this artist is trying to do. So it really was an awakening in that way of like, Oh, I don't have to, this doesn't have to spell out. It doesn't have to spell out its goal. A, a piece of art or a piece of music um, doesn't have to um, tell me how to feel about it. And I can still, it can still be effective. It can still be, uh, you know, it can still be memorable and something that can change me or ask, make me ask a question about myself. She's, I mean, it's, it's sort of, they're sort of like the, I know we're all theater people, so hopefully we'll all get this reference here, but like they are the Carol Churchill of rock music. Uh, because I, a Carol Churchill play if, is, she doesn't give you much exposition. She doesn't really give you any answers. Sometimes she doesn't even tell you who the characters are in, in her plays. It doesn't, just doesn't spell anything out for you. Kind of forces you to have to do some work uh, in order to better understand and appreciate it. And I, and that's, that's, that's something I always value. I like, I, when I go to an art museum, I, I, I go right to the modern art. Like that's directly where I go. I don't want to like, I don't want to see pretty landscapes. I don't want to see, you know, I don't know, Renaissance artwork or anything like that. I want to see a big canvas that's painted orange that has the title, you know, like flute, and 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 I I want to I want to yeah. I want to look at that and I want to come to my own conclusions and I think that um, the the fact that there is such a strong visual component to a lot of Radiohead's work I feel like there is sort of a blending with modern art and in, in that respect maybe we'll get to it more later but I mean there's this guy that they work with a lot 
who's essentially maybe the sixth or seventh member of the band, if you count their producer, Nigel Godrich. But uh, this guy named Stanley Donwood, who makes all their artwork, and he makes the artwork while they're recording. He makes it with them in the studio oh, so, that it, so, cool. so that it kind of matches the feel for the album and there are there is so much artwork i mean to the point that they've even that they they've sort of taken a lot of that extra artwork and converted it into this interactive computer experience for uh, kid a and amnesiac just just so you can experience all of that i mean it's it's it is a radiohead is a multimedia experience let's let's kind of dive into that do you think that like with radiohead and this like the music video phenomenon that happened when they did come out because in the 90s that mtv and that music video that's really what it was people wanted that they wanted how to that's how they wanted to digest their music right with mtv and music videos radiohead coming onto the scene like that do you think they started it or do you think they jumped on it they obviously impacted it right and changed the space in general but I don't know the history so that's just my kind of my question did they just were they kind of the group that just made it something different well I think this is your your question also leaves an opportunity for us to sort of differentiate my experience with um my experience and introduction to Radiohead versus Michael's. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there's a little bit of an age difference between me and Michael Osinski. Just a short, just a small one, not a crazy one. But he's still my buddy. And um, and but I came to this, you know, I came to this in the mid aughts um, when I was in high school, and so they were already, you know, the biggest rock band in the world when I um, when I was being introduced to them, and I had a lot of catch up to do. Um, so a lot of this was sort of me catching up on on what their history was and what the cultural context was for them at the beginning. And I don't know, I don't know if I would say that they changed the from my perspective and I and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, I know you will. Um, <laughs> that I don't know if they changed the music video game um, when it was happening, but I think it was just that they were able to use it to create the kind of it was essentially world building is kind of how I think about it. Right. They're, they're creating this community of fans with a certain sort of landscape, both musical and visual um, that is so undeniably them. So, and also part of that is, you know, just making really quality um, visual content. But um, from my perspective, it doesn't necessarily seem like it was they were doing anything to change the medium of the music video rather than just using it to the best possible extent they could. Yeah, I wouldn't consider them music video artists per se. I mean, when I think of music video artists, I think of someone like Janet Jackson or, uh, you know, or Michael Jackson or Beyonce because they, I mean, you know, Beyonce created a visual album. I mean, come on. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, their, their videos are intriguing, but I mean, they're not. I mean, in some cases, I guess they're, they're, they could go viral. They're, they're buzzworthy, but they're not. They don't have the sort of mass appeal that a lot of other artists do, um, which I think is a shame because, you know, even though there is this puzzling aspect to them where you you have to do a little bit of work to figure out what they're getting at, there is also still a, a heart behind everything that they make. I mean, it's not, I just, just one reference I think of specifically is, you know, there's a song they have on their album, Hail to the Thief, um, 
called uh, Sail to the Moon, uh, where Tom York references, uh, you don't re- you don't realize at first, I think that he's singing a song essentially to his son and his son is named Noah. And so he makes a reference in the song to like building an ark. Like it's, I mean, there's, th- these are human beings that also have, you know, emotional lives and are trying to express themselves that way through music. It just so happens that they like to, they like to they like to activate the you know the all parts of the brain I think with their music and that was probably one of the only circumstances I know of where I can really draw a line to who one of the members of the band was writing the song for mm-hmm. uh, mostly most of the time that's kind of oblique which I kind of appreciate because this there is also <laughs> this is a larger, you know, it's a larger part of this, but I, I think that the presence of their egos as artists within the context of this band is something that I appreciate because, and maybe this is just because I'm so enamored with them and I think they can kind of do no wrong, but I, it feels like their egos are really in check within the context of what they're creating, which is the, which is the trouble of art for millennia, right? For since the start of, um, since the humans have been making artists, how much is this about me just trying to get validation and, um, and like validate my existence basically versus just purely making something with my creative energy to share. And I've always appreciated the balance they strike between those two things. Maybe the only other time that I can really draw a line to something specific I know happened in their life, um, that, uh, they wrote a song about it was maybe daydreaming on their most recent album. Um, and M- Michael is that, that, that one was kind of about um, Tom's late partner, right? Or maybe there's some intimation that it was. Well, Some that, of the research that I did, there was one song that came out on the most recent album that was about his past relationship. Mm-hmm. That's probably daydreaming. Yeah. yeah. Cause they said in the research, I said he actually wrote it a long time ago and then it just became on the album. Is that the right one? A lot of those songs or several of those songs. Actually, no, if it's the song that was written a long time ago, that's true. Love waits. Uh, True love waits is a song. Cause, cause that's the other thing about some of their catalog is they've, I mean, they've created so much music. There's all these little, um, not B sides, but songs that they played in concert or that maybe they tried to record on a previous album and it just didn't, it didn't make it. And true love waits was a big, uh, audience favorite at concerts and so then they finally recorded it in the studio and they changed the way that it had been performed because it, it 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 now is sort of this very not somber but it is sort of this toned down low-key kind of spooky and mysterious version of a song that used to be an acoustic guitar uh, like solo acoustic guitar at a concert. So yeah, that's, I think that's, that's probably the song that they're talking about. There's probably that one. And then daydreaming though, is a, is maybe the most beautiful song on that album. Um, in my opinion, though, true love waits, true love waits is pretty beautiful too, but, um, there's a song or there's like a, a moment at the end of it where he, it's just the, the words half of my life over, over and over again. But they're, re- but they're recorded. Distorted. They're recorded in reverse. So actually, when you listen, in you reverse. can't tell right. what uh, he's saying uh, unless you play it backwards. Uh, that's yeah. beautiful. Oh, that's yeah. Crazy. So there's something eerie about that. Yeah. Also, the 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 music video to that, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. We have they have struck up a, a rather fruitful um, creative re- relationship in the past few years. So I'm I'm not mad about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want I want to go down the path, Tyler, that you were going down a little bit. 
um, yeah. with the things that Radiohead brings up. So, you know how some bands or some uh, directors even too um, have like the same uh, uh, the same thing that they want to talk about, like whether it be love, whether it be relationships, whether it be that. Is Radiohead, does Radiohead fall into that box or are all their songs something different? Because like, I mean, True Love Waits is a title that since I don't know what the song is, could be about true love. And then I have the song Creep, which I know it's about. And it's I know how he wrote it now, which is a whole different thing we'll get into or why he wrote it, I guess. But does Radiohead fall into that or is it just they talk about life and like what are some of those stories that they hit on and those emotional things? I would say it's probably the latter talking about life. I think that's one of the reasons they prob they have the staying power that they have, they haven't really cashed in on one particular message message um, other than just a connection about the struggle, the struggle of the mm-hmm. human experience, maybe the struggle yeah. of, you know, the difficulty of it and being able to express something like that. Maybe that is the thing that is, is um, running through all of their work, the compassion that w- they try to have towards um, their, that they try to have towards their, their listeners. Um, but I also think, there's something it's like the difference between being kind and nice is is I think what I uh, I was thinking about the, that this week is it's not nice music all the time. It's not like like I think I mentioned that <laughs> I used that term earlier, but it is it is deeply it's deeply kind in the sense that there is something about uh, the vulnerability of, you know, the vulnerability of us all being here. So I think that's I think that's probably the thing that is running through all of it. Um, plus they, they don't shy away from, um, they don't shy away from anger too. Like they have, they have anger that I think they use in a very um, particular way. Um, and that is both in their younger years and the way that they use anger now in their later years is, is a completely different, uh, form of that emotion. Uh, so I think that's probably, that's probably, I'm not sure if that answered your question. Maybe no, that an- no, that answered my question. And and, and yeah. I want to kind of then pivot over to Michael too. Well, Tyler, mm-hmm. you think about this as well, but with kind of with what that said, so you're talking about the human condition, the messiness of being alive, really. Right. Um, is there any type of emotion, anything that Radiohead speaks about that you've connected with more so, or have you gone with them on this journey as they've grown I up? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I I would echo everything that Tyler said. I think there is sort of a there. I would though. I think it's you would be harder. You have a harder time finding the songs from their catalog that elicit joy. <laughs> I would say. Um, I think that that's a little trickier to find within their catalog, but it it does exist. I mean, I think the thing that spoke to me. Uh, I like to say that. Um, Radiohead, listening to Radiohead uh, was the first time I started to question, well, pretty much everything, actually, but but specifically like questioning <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> I think that in terms of a theme that runs through a lot of their work, there is definitely an anti-capitalist sentiment, um, especially on uh, their what I consider to be their their breakthrough, like their landmark album, which was OK Computer, which basically is an album about what might happen to society if we all become too reliant on uh, technology and uh, and and what 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 the outcome of that would be? And this was created in 1997. If you go and listen to that album now, 
uh, I don't want to say the radio had predicted the future, but uh, they, they, they kind of <laughs> did. So, I mean, it's like idiocracy. They they just saw into the future, figured out how. I mean, essentially. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think they that they sort of opened my eyes up to that. I found out later that they were also, over the course of their career, they were reading some of the books that I've read now, like by uh, Naomi Klein, um, who's written a really great book called... Um, is it called This Changes Everything? Is that what it's called? The, it's, she wrote well, that, a was the, that was the most recent one. No Logo was the one that they read originally. That yeah. was the anti-globalization um, yeah. one. But uh, This Changes Everything was the climate change one she just wrote a few years ago. Yeah. And I mean, I it's I don't I don't want to say that like they've influenced my political beliefs, but they certainly have influenced the way that I see the world. Um, but also, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like often they just provide they provide, this is going to sound like hippy dippy or like I'm on shrooms or something, but I feel like they provide the soundtrack to the universe. Like it's just they're, because they're, because sometimes the, the yeah. things that they do with instruments, it just sounds to me like this is what it would be. This is what it would sound like to be floating through the stars, or this is what it would sound like to suddenly understand all of the mysteries of the universe at once. I can't think of any other way to describe it, but that because it's it. because <laughs> you, you can't, I mean, if, if you get all like nerdy music theory about stuff, which I have done occasionally, and we can talk about that if we want to, but I, the, the instruments, the sounds they're making, I, you're like, what, where are these coming from? I don't, I don't understand, but it's, there's, it feels like there's something they're creating the soundtrack to something bigger than themselves. That was a big, the sci-fi, the sci-fi space thing was a big hook for me too, especially with the early albums where I'm like, I'm, I'm just into sci-fi and, and I'm fascinated by space. And then the, and then, you know, when you, when you get to think about space, you get to thinking, is there other stuff out there? And like, what does, do I matter at all? Am I a little speck? Um, so that was, if there was a hook at the beginning, that was certainly one of them, uh, was the sort of universal aspect. To and, it. and they even have, I have to talk about this. They even have a song called subterranean homesick alien, uh, which talks about, you know, like aliens coming down to earth and what, what would they see if they were observing the world? And that was a song that, um, when I when my first when I had my first boyfriend and I was driving between Syracuse, New York and Rochester, New York on the New York State Thruway and I would listen to this album play, it was always timed out perfectly. There was the stretch of the thruway where all the trees would go away and like a flat land would open up as the song played and it just sounded it looked like the place where an alien abduction would happen and the music was how i just remember it always perfectly timed out and i i i still whenever whenever i drive down the thruway and i come to that stretch of of the highway i i think of that That's song awesome i love that with radiohead so you guys are talking about the the capitalism aspect of it right and how they're questioning and, and becoming a little bit more uh, and not anti-government. That's not the word. Well, sometimes. <laughs> uh, but like they challenge the government thought process, right? They challenge the leaders that we have. Like that, that's what I'm, I'm gathering from you guys. Was there any a moment um, that you guys just hated what they were putting out or there was stuff that you didn't agree with that they were putting out? Something that you kind of just were turned off. Maybe not them totally. Maybe just like, OK, maybe we need to step back and, and not think of these guys as on this pedestal not yet really no i think i, think <laughs> I love I, that answer yeah. so calmly it's, it's probably gonna happen it's probably gonna happen at some point and there's like you know they're they're if if anything they're just um 
they're going, they have been a band at a time when the whole landscape of music has been shifting. And they've, I think they've done a whole lot of good work um, as they have navigated all of that. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it hasn't happened yet, but it's as, as your, as your heroes get older, um, we see that more and more where, you know, sometimes they get, you know, they're, they become more conservative, you know, and that's not to say conservatism is inherently a, a, a terrible thing, but it's just not really the way that I operate. So I'll be interested to see, cause they're in their mid late fifties now. Is that, I think early, I think early fifties now, early fifties. So it could happen. I don't mm. know. What about you? Michael? I, uh, I, I mean, there are songs of theirs that I'm not a huge fan of. And like, you know, if I had to rank the albums, there would be one on the bottom. But like, it's not it's not. Um, yeah, no, not they, they haven't done anything. I mean, of all of my the bands that I like my top five bands that I love, they are a band that I have consistently come back to. And I've they've but they've never really left either. They haven't they, they haven't done me wrong yet. <laughs> what uh, what were the what would the what were what would be the reasons that those albums would be the the lower ones? I mean, for, for me, it's just it doesn't I honestly I think it's a personal thing, which is, I mean, something we talk about a lot on our podcast, the idea that the, to try and define an objectively perfect album uh, feels like a fool's error. Because I think that well, I mean, Tyler and I both have different favorite Radiohead albums, and it's it's you know based it's often based on some very subjective personal experience. So some songs just don't gel with me as much. Some albums just maybe they I listened to them at a time in my life when it just didn't fit, or maybe musically it's just not what I'm into. But there's I, I don't think there's any cut or cut and dry reason for why uh something doesn't speak to me as much as others uh, other songs do and i have a friend who says um who's i because it's a it's a consistent topic of conversation is which album is the best radiohead album among my friends from high school it's something we've been talking about for um you know over a decade now but i have a friend who's who's firmly in the camp that i don't know it's just the most recent one that came out is their best album (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, and I, I think from a philosophical standpoint, I sort of understand what he's saying. It's like, you can't, you can't take those albums out of the context of which they, in which they first came out. You can't really, you can't really view them in any other terms and except for 1997 when OK Computer came out or 2007 when In Rainbows came out. They're just too, there's too much of a time element to it. So, so that's sort of his take. And it, it, maybe it's a bit of a cop out and it's not terribly fun for conversation, but um, I think he has a point that, uh, that it's just a lot about when you meet the album that affects how much you love it or what you think the quality is of it for lack of a better term. If, if you're trying to get us to say that an album sucks, Michael, for, for, for extra likes on your podcast, that's probably not going to happen with us too. <laughs> <laughs> not, not what I'm looking for. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to Z way you all. That's what I'm trying to do. Just get sound bites. Um, oh, she's got it. Yep. Uh, I think it's, I, I, I love that answer for both of you. I think the thing that's interesting is that you both are talking about how the content and what they're putting out is how you look at them as artists. 
right? There's some artists that like, especially in the music field, like I look at it and I'm just like, I just don't connect with their style. Like, I don't like the guitar that they play. I don't like them playing this rock band type thing. But you so far, you are all just focusing on this content, the the way that they're bringing up the lyrics, everything like that. Then the music is second to it, right? Like you enjoy that music. But what's drawing you in? Is that is that fair to say for both I of you? I don't know if I would say I would say that I really I think it's you. I can't separate those two things. OK, so. Yeah. 100% agree. So there's definitely now if we're talking about separating the person who is the people that populate this band, if we're if we're separating the identity, you know, the personalities of uh, Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, Colin Greenwood, and at all, um, you know, if we are, if we're separating them from the music they're making, I think that might be something that I tend to do with them more than other bands. Um, but for in terms of like lyrically and musically, that whole thing is just it's something that um, it's something that I, I kind of experience together. And and I think Michael and I are similar in that I think we both tend to and we talk about this on the podcast, too, is is we tend to hear the music element first, the um, the instrumental, uh, the instrumental and rhythmic aspect of music first. And then the lyrics come after that for me. Uh, but I also think the lyrics are sometimes purposefully opaque with Radiohead too. So they're, um, you can kind of come to those when you're, when you're ready to. What, um, you guys obviously think a lot about Radiohead and you've brought up that you talk a lot about Radiohead on, on the podcast. How does Radiohead infiltrate your day to day? Do, do you find that it the music follows you around like some ghost Do you find that you have this like radiohead soundtrack going on in the back of your mind constantly go for it well, wants to first i would like to point out that you uh in uh, inadvertently referenced a radiohead song there because there's a song they have called follow me you around did. um so yes so, so <laughs> to you for for making that reference um i'm still making points yeah. here people <laughs> yes, you are. i mean it's it's always always in my brain i mean I would say that Radiohead and Nine Inch Nails are always running in my brain in some way. So I'll let your therapist figure out what uh, what that means about me. But um, (laughs) it's it's because I mean, also as a director, too, often when I haven't done this as much anymore, because I think just the experience of listening to music has changed a little bit. But when an album came out, I used to put the CD in my Discman and go on public transportation. And I would in my mind create like ideas for music videos for some of these songs they would just like pop into my brain so to say that yeah they they they're all of their music lives within my brain and is constantly just sort of popping back in like i can think of i could probably think of a radiohead song that would be good for just about any occasion in fact i did have somebody text me just the other day uh, a mutual friend of uh, me and Michael's, uh, Peter Varga, texted me and uh, asked for Radiohead recommendations for the D&D campaign that he was running. And I knew exactly what I needed to give him. And <laughs> and that I would so uh, that just that's to say I, it's similar for me. My Spotify wrapped over the last several years would agree. It's always been either num, uh, number one. It's been number one. They've been number one. I think they got displaced as number one uh, maybe last year by Wilco which I don't know why that happened. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem right. Uh, there was one song you played. That's what happened. It actually is. Yeah. They had, yeah. A, great, they had a great song come out uh, last year, right. but, <laughs> but yeah, they, it, it lives, it lives in my head pretty much all the time. And I think 
there are times when I think, should I, should I like purposefully set this to the side a little bit? Should I, should I take, should I take a little break? But they're just such, there's such an emotional connection to it and a, uh, a comfort in my familiarity with these albums that there's, it's always, um, it's always a, a feature in the music that is, that I have in my life. Right. For sure. When, um, uh, when I listen to music, I, I thought I was the only crazy person, Michael, that did that. I create music videos all the time when I listen to songs. Like it's just how I narrate it. Right. Like it's just how it comes up when that happens. And Tyler, this is for you too, in terms of that connection. Do you find yourself as the narrator of that story? Are you the bystander of that story? Or are you the participant in that story? Like, or does each song kind of connect you differently? It depends on the song. I mean, if it generally, if I'm thinking of in terms of music videos, I feel like I'm just an observer in the whole thing. But there's often songs that I hear that I can sort of imagine myself. I can sort of surround myself in the the oral experience, I guess. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it really just depends because they've I mean, they've created so many so many different soundscapes especially if i mean last year last year they were my number one artist on spotify as well but that's primarily because i listened to their entire catalog because i was traveling home last year and i decided i would put i'd make a playlist of all of their songs <laughs> and so i listened to the whole thing from in, in chronological order and i will say that where they started versus where they are now are two very different places. So there's just to say that something is, uh, I mean, you kind of have to specify if it's earlier Radiohead or, or later Radiohead. I wanted to see how, long, how many hours that was. I, it was 11 hours and seven minutes. Yeah, that's, I, that's, I shared the playlist with the Tyler. Yeah. Playlist. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to know how long that was too. So I listened to the whole thing in preparation for this podcast. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I love that. Not all in one go, but you know. <laughs> in well, well, with this, you guys are obviously you're you're diehard fans. You love it. When in a friendship or a romantic type of relationship, <laughs> does this obsession rear its ugly head? And have you had? I mean, the laugh that Michael gave makes me think there's a story there. So I'm excited to hear it. But <laughs> I, it, when do you do it, or do you hide it? No, 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 no way! Just, I don't hide that. Come on! <laughs> you know you can't. You can't. You can't hide it. I mean, it's 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 impossible. Although no. the, the reason I laughed, I just have to say, is because I once told my husband uh, that I felt like the key to understanding me is to understand Radiohead, and he just pretty much like threw his hands up. I'm like, well, I'm never going to know who you are then. Like, I mean, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I honestly, it's how I've made friends is through through Radiohead. I may, it might be how you and I became friends, Michael. I don't, I, I'm like, I'm, I was thinking about that this week too. I was like, dude, when was the first time Michael and I talked about Radiohead? And it had to have been, you know, I, I can't, I can't remember when it was, but it had to have been one of the first things we talked about. I, I, I'm trying to think of that too. I can't pinpoint the exact moment. I feel, cause I feel like when we became friends, it just sort of like, I don't know. It's not osmosis. What's the word? I don't know. It just sort of like, like just naturally fell into right. place. So. It, was, it wasn't like it happened in a flash, but there was a very, it was like a very, it was like a, a very slow, very, I, I, I mean, you guys are not, you, it's a, it's a meat cute guys. You guys are talking about a meat cute. <laughs> and you meat guys are just beating sure. around the point. Yeah. I'm picturing you walking to a bar and it just comes on the, it comes on in the, over the, over the speakers and you just make eye contact with each other. Oh. And that's the blossoming of your friendship. That's what I'm well, imagining. You guys have to pick the song. Been, I'm not going to go there, but <laughs> <laughs> it might've been that one, um, that one piece that we did with, uh, with Sam tank and Danny Colucci. And, and it might've been, that might've been when we first, 
when we when we first started talking about Radiohead. Because did you have a Radiohead song in that piece? I, I can't remember what I may put in that piece, but I do often like, especially in grad school, I did often incorporate Radiohead music in, in, in some way. And I've, I've tried to find ways in other productions since then to like, you know, to try and incorporate it. To answer your question about, so it, it totally is right away. I can't hide. I can't hide my <laughs> obsession with this. If I tried, there would just be no, uh, but I also don't have much shame around it either. Like I don't, like I don't have any shame about and I say this as somebody with shame about other things, but I don't have much shame. I don't have much shame about my my love for Radiohead. And I think I say this as someone who fully understands the definition of shame, <laughs> but I have Dude, none of it for Radiohead. <laughs> intimately, um, I also think that if we're going to be really reductive, um, that I think I sort of am the stereotype of a Radiohead fan. Uh, is is maybe that you know like the nerdy you know nerdy millennial white dude is the is the uh, is the stereotype though I have I I find that that stereotype does not hold true um, as much you know as much as most stereotypes don't hold true right there is uh, the fans I have met of Radiohead have been of every age uh, you know of every socioeconomic background every race it's um, every country of origin it's really been uh, it's been a nice thing to connect with people around the world, you know, like in my travel and um, different educational settings I've been in. It's, it's only open doors. It's closed very nice. few doors. Um, with what have you guys um, with, with this, with your love, you reveal it. You guys are, you know, obviously nothing stands in your way to tell people you love Radiohead for yourself. What have you done in either like spending money and either like going to concerts. What's like that, that thing for you. That's like, this is me at doing an action of my love for Radiohead. What is what? Happened? Well, for me, both of the times that I've seen them live, I've only seen them live twice. I did go quite a distance to see them. The first time was my freshman year of college. And it was the first time they had been on tour since I, you know, since I had gained a love for them. And so I flew home to St. Louis on a Friday night. Uh, and went to the concert with my sister and uh, it was all very it was all very dramatic you know it was like get it get, you know, flight lands flight lands my, my dad picked me up and my sister was in the car and we went and you know it's all very um, my family was very supportive of, of me uh, of me and Lauren making it to that uh, Lauren and I making it to that concert so that was and then the other time I uh, drove across Missouri, you know, drove from Chicago to St. Louis, all the way across Missouri to Kansas City to see them a second time um, with some friends of mine. And, and so I, I'll go, I will go quite a distance, at, especially at that time to see them. Uh, so that's probably, that's probably the biggest outlay of energy and, and time <laughs> and money. What about you, Michael? I mean, I've, uh, I, I have a concert story as well. I mean, I think I, I've seen them three times, but nothing will top the first time that I saw them at Liberty State Park in 2001 with three of my favorite people in the whole world from college. It was, it was the summer right after I'd graduated from college and we trekked over there and, and stood because, you know, we were still young enough to be willing to stand at a concert starting at like one o'clock in the afternoon, even though the concert wasn't going to happen until the evening. And the memory of their fourth encore, which they did their third encore, and then everyone started leaving, and then they came back on to play one more song, which is the song called The Bends, the title track off their second album. And to be at the concert with three of my favorite people 
with everyone singing in unison along with Tom York, the line, I want to live, breathe. I want to be part of the human race. Like just yelling that. And like, I mean, that's, that is a memory that is etched in my brain forever. But now, I mean, I don't, I haven't been to a concert in a long time, partially because of pandemic, partially because I'm in my forties, but the, um, I think I, I like to surround myself with the, the artwork that accompanies it. I mean, there are three framed prints of Stanley Donwood artwork on my living room wall. I have a wall calendar that I buy every year that lives in our kitchen. Sometimes I think to my husband's disapproval, just because sometimes the artwork's a little dark and kind of weird. And it's like, you know, here you are like <laughs> making dinner and looking at like images of death, destruction and apocalypse. But but also, I yeah. I thought at one point, too, I haven't done this, but I was going to get a Radiohead tattoo. I was going to get a tattoo of um, the, I guess you'd call it either the googly minotaur or the crying minotaur from their amnesiac artwork. Mm. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very iconic image from that period of Radiohead. And I thought about getting that as a tattoo, but I never did because I just didn't have money. And then, you know, life happened. <laughs> we might be due for a Radiohead tattoo, you and I. Oh my gosh, if you, got be one, something... if you guys got one that was like half and half and when you came together, it made a full tattoo. That'd be so cute. Oh, oh my God, that'd be cute. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start bugging you about this. Uh, <laughs> one of these days, you and I are going to be in the same city and it's going to be, the, it's just going to be right. <laughs> don't, trust Tyler what he, don't trust Tyler when he says I have a surprise. Yeah. Just get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> careful. Oh man. I do, have a, I do have a little wall art as well. I have a, a thing I got on Etsy which is like uh it's hanging above my desk right now uh it's my favorite Radiohead album in rainbows it's all of the tracks from that as um like penguin paperbacks all like the spines of them all across nice color scheme it's pretty That's awesome well I this we all know concert tickets are uh, astronomically expensive and I don't expect you to like give me the exact amount of debt that Radiohead has put you into but <laughs> to give me give me a conservative guess guys what is what's the amount that you spent on or is there an amount that matters like what what is it with Radiohead? I mean, it's, we've talked about this too this is like a this like they're my litmus test for how much I'll spend on a on a on a concert so like I would I'll probably under the right circumstances, I would probably pay like $120 to get tickets to see uh, Radiohead if it was like a great venue. Um, I think, but probably 120, 150, somewhere between 120 and 150 would probably be the amount I would pay under the right circumstances. Um, but I think the times that I've paid, I've seen them, it was probably only like 60 bucks a pop, which is a lot, but. I might, have, you? I, mean, I might have paid close to a hundred one time that I saw them. Uh, and one of, one of the three times I saw them was actually a Lollapalooza. Uh, but I, I mean, at, at this point, if they were to tour again and were the right circumstances, I, I'd probably pay like $200 to, to see them. I mean, I've been thinking about uh, Tom and Johnny have this side project that they released an album this year called uh, their new band is called the smile and they haven't toured in America yet. They're touring in Europe right now. And I've thought about when they, if, if they come to America, how much I'd be willing to pay to go see that band live. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty selective. Like I would see Radiohead and pay a lot of money to see them in a big venue 
um, even though I would much rather see them in a much in a smaller, intimate venue where I could be standing pretty close to them. But they they are beyond that point now. They're never going to play you know small venues. We should probably see the smile when they come. That's probably what we it's, yeah we we'll, should do. We'll, we'll have to talk about this, Tyler. But I'm pretty sure we need to do that. We need to make that happen. Yeah, me too. I love this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, with with so we talked about spending money. Now let's mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. making money. Would you ever? <laughs> work for Radiohead or find a way to make money off of this or is it too close (laughs) you know how I mean no but like sometimes people don't want to work because they're like I I need to be this needs to be something I enjoy I don't want to see how this sausage is made here because I don't want that mystery to be taken away from me is this that way or is this something if if they just asked you you jump at that chance if I will say this if someone were to pay me and Tyler uh, a decent amount of money to run a podcast where we dissect every single every single Radiohead track, like a track per episode, I would do it in a heartbeat. Oh my god, they wouldn't even have to pay us that much. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's, let's 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 collect money for this. Like, you're right. This is my this is why I keep you around, Michael. Yeah. Uh, yes, I would 100 percent do that. I also think that in terms of how the sausage is made, and this is like a like a uh, I don't know that I do. I consider them heroes is something I think sometimes. And like, I think I do to some extent though. It's a, that's a framework that I'm sort of trying as a person to move away from is the deifying of artists that we love and, and all that, because they are fallible humans. And, and I think so like as a, as a human, I'm trying to like my heroes, my heroes are my mom, you know, like my heroes are the, like the people in my community, the people around me is kind of the the way I'm trying to operate. And so in that sense, if I'm, if I'm fully embodying that sort of perspective, um, then I think it would be great to work for them because I really have the receipts on like the quality of their work and sort of what they're trying to do. Um, I think it would be, I think they seem like they'd be great people to work nice. for. I like that. Um, we got one more question, and then I got the last question for you. So what is, we've talked about how you have some artwork. Um, we have, you guys have some other stuff that you talked about. What is your, um, what is an item that you've kind of always wanted um, that connects it with Radiohead? Or, or is like a material aspect something that's not yours and you just want like a guitar pick or something like something of that nature that you also want or possibly already own what is an item that kind of connects it i'd want i mean in terms of stuff i don't know because like i feel like i I mean i'm not a i'm not a stuff guy i don't like having a lot of stuff um but i feel like if there were if there were a meaningful object that i wish i had i sort of guess i wish i would have a set list from a concert like that they had written out that i had gotten from them i was thinking the same thing but like I'm, i'm not someone who takes a lot of stock in uh puts a lot of stock in uh you know autographed things I also, I will also say this. I don't think, I actually don't think I ever want to meet them. Um, Not because, not because like I wouldn't like to meet them, but I think that I I just think I would be the most awkward person in the world. And then I would make a total fool of myself in front of time York, much like, much like Scott Tennerman does in front of Radiohead in the episode of South Park that they appear in, in season five, (laughs) because they appeared on South Park. Just want to put, throw that into the pod. (laughs) You know, stop throwing some uh, nerdy facts out because maybe they'll come up later. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) For me, I don't think I think I'm of a similar mind um, to you, Michael, in that I, I almost feel like 
I do have, uh, when I bought the uh, vinyl for their most recent album, A Moonshape Pool, I did get the deluxe edition. Uh, and it's beautiful. It's, um, you know, a big, uh, beautifully made vinyl case. But what came with it was a little clip. It's about a foot long. And it is a piece of the master tape from the recording from any it's basically a random slice of tape that they had from recording sessions anywhere from I think maybe 2000 to 2017. Um, So if I had the proper, you know, if I had the proper mechanisms, I could play it and see if it has anything on it, it could be silence, it could be you know, just background noise from a recording session that they had. Um, so that I, I cherish that, that little, that little thing. Um, but, in, but other than that, I think I, I'm not much for, I'm not much for autographed things or anything like that, which makes me feel good about it. It makes me feel like I have a healthy relationship <laughs> with them to some I just, degree. I just value the music and the artwork too much. Like it's just that that's, it's, yeah. and, the, and the music, especially, I just think that like stuff, stuff wouldn't capture how I feel about the mm-hmm. band. Hmm. Love, I truly love that answer. Um, and I love how uh, open and uh, self-aware you both are about them being heroes, right? Because I think so much of the time when we talk about obsessions or we talk about th- things that um, deal with people or artists or people that are creating things, we do put the, put them on this pedestal and think about them as oh, they're bringing me this, right? Like they're giving me this emotional connection. They're bringing me this joy. They're bringing me this. And so I have to keep that precious or that controlled. And that's not like that music mm-hmm. can be brought to you by anyone. It just this this group right here is perfecting it for you in this moment, right? That's that's what yeah. it is in, in a very vague, open way, in my opinion. Mm. I love that. Um, last question. Um, well, so you uh you both died by the way um and after you died because we're incredibly close right we've we've been together for a very long time the three of us hours now two podcast episodes (laughs) together (laughs) i've been asked to go through your personal belongings um uh and in your personal belongings i find a secret compartment that you didn't tell anyone about but i found it and inside the secret compartment i found uh, a box and a note and on the note it reads whatever is in this box represents my obsession what's in the box what's in the box there what's it in is the box? <laughs> <laughs> i always wait for somebody to say it because that's the whole reason <laughs> this does sound like a radiohead video by the way this would be like stop motion this would be like a stop motion radiohead video yeah my answer, my answer is very box. radiohead to this but tyler you go first <laughs> <laughs> i think it would be uh I think it would be an i an iPod, like an iPod classic, um, the kind that uh, from you know the the mid aughts that had you could watch TV on it for the first time. You had your episodes of The Office on there, and that was the first thing I ever listened to um, Radiohead on. And it would have that, and then the ticket stub, the faded ticket stub, to the first time that I saw them um, with my sister on. I believe it was March ninth. 2012 and which is my dad's birthday as well uh and so it would be those two things sitting next to each other would the ipod have all of radiohead's music on it oh yeah plus an episode of the office probably (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's fair all right michael so inside the box would be another box 
that uh, maybe maybe the first one is sort of wooden and you open it and it starts it's like a music box and it starts to play a song but then you discover inside that box there's another box and as you pull that box out not only not only are you able to open that one and a new song plays but the box grows to the size of the previous box and so when you open it nice. another mm-hmm. box is inside it is mm-hmm. basically an mm-hmm. unending like Russian doll situation of music boxes of all shapes, sizes, colors, designs with songs playing in with different songs playing out of each one of them. It feels a little bit like, I don't know, sort of like an, an optimistic David Lynch scene or something like it's basically because yeah, I, I have to stress yeah, optimistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what music, what, what's the music that's playing in these music boxes? Uh, Radiohead songs. And it would be the, oh, the it's all radio yeah, and the song would match whatever the like design of the box is. Um, yes. so like, so like if there's a ballerina <laughs> dancing, it would be that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if there were like a, um, if there were like, I don't know, I'm thinking of a song specifically like Idiotech is one of their more, like it's like techno dancey type songs like that box might have like little like graphic equalizer lights on it. So it like lights up as you open it. Whereas something like a box for the song daydreaming, uh, might be the sort of like very simple, basic, like white box to kind of represent the the snow that he's walking through at the end of the music video. Like, I mean, every box would be specifically designed for the song. And because, you know, it's magical, it, it's not going to be like super tiny by the end. The boxes are going to keep growing to the size that they need to be. So. That's beautiful. Dude, you that. you won that question. Good job. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen, uh, for chatting with me. This has been great. But I want to challenge your knowledge. All right. Yes. We are going to do nerdy knowledge. We're ready. We're ready. Right. We came ready for this. <laughs> we had study sessions. Oh, did you? Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. Each question there are 19 points total um and not not every question but some of the questions do have bonus attached to it which i will ask you later like can you name the location then or can you name another person which we'll get into as we go i'm gonna ask the question i need you in order to buzz in just say your name that's all i need just so then i know who's first that's how i'm gonna go with it okay okay um all right we ready we ready to jump in okay more than ready all right so number one radiohead is named after the song radiohead on the 1986 talking heads album true stories what was their original name michael tyler (laughs) yes michael on a friday that is correct on a friday now can you tell me why it's named that way? Tyler. It was his bonus point, Tyler. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's when they were able to practice. Yes. On Fridays after school. Yes. Wonderful. All right. Um, something we didn't talk about uh, in the in the uh, interview portion is the members. We have Tom York, who is the uh, vocals, guitar, piano, keyboards. Johnny Greenwood, lead guitar, keyboards, other instruments. Uh, Colin, Colin, yeah. Colin Greenwood, bass. Ed O'Brien, guitar, backing vocals. And Philip Selway, drums and percussion. Did I say all those right? Yes, you sure did. All right, cool. (laughs) The reason I bring up the names is because a person that I will be looking more into in the future, Johnny Greenwood is also an accomplished composer with credits that include Ted Lasso, 
The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Inherent Vice, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, The Master, and Daria. In 2008, the Academy disqualified him for a nomination because a song contained samples, a violation of Rule 15 of the Academy's special rules for music awards, which basically says a score diluted by the use of tracked items, uh, other pre-existing musics are excluded from the race. What movie did he get disqualified for? Shoot. Wait. Uh, are you asking what movie he scored that, that he got disqualified for? That oh, the Academy disqualified. Yes, Tyler. There Will Be Blood. That is a true statement, yes. Okay, I thought you were asking what movie ended up winning best original score. Nope, that's Luckily, why I wrote the question that Luckily, way. Oh, you knew that. Why did you buzz in? No, I, didn't, I didn't know that he got disqualified for that one. I thought, I thought, well, whatever. Oh, you didn't? No. Yeah, it was the, uh, I believe, I believe it was for the Ella Fitzgerald uh, sample. Uh, is the what? two songs that he did were Popcorn, uh, Superhead Receiver, and Smear. Hmm. is what hmm. okay. I saw. All right. I could yeah. be wrong, though, too. <laughs> um, nice job. All right, so Michael has two. Tyler has one. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, all right. What is the name of the band in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire that Johnny Greenwood and Phil Selway were a part of? Tyler. Tyler. <laughs> I believe it's the Weird Sisters. That is a correct statement. Now, yeah. for three additional bonus points. Okay. Oh, who goodness. were the other members of the <sighs> Weird Sisters? Oh, <laughs> I know this. I know this. They're one of them. They're other musicians. Like, they're other. Yes, they're all common. from other bands. Yep. Yeah, shoot. Oh, no. <laughs> Michael, are you not a Harry Potter fan? I, I saw that. I've never, I never seen nor read them. What? <laughs> yeah. 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 We we love a lot of the same things, not all of the same things. <laughs> do, do I get to steal a bonus if he doesn't get it? I'm, I think I might know one. Yeah, go for it. Is it is um is Jar is Jarvis Cocker one of them? Oh, Jarvis is in it. Yes. That's that's all Jarvis is in it. Yeah, that's all I got. The other ones are Jar- Jarvis Cocker and Steve Mackey from mm-hmm. Pulp, uh, yep. Jason Buckle from All Seeing Eye, and Steve Clayton from Add End to X. Gotcha. Yeah, Jarvis would Jarvis would have been the one to know there. Mm-hmm. I never really got into Pulp. Did you get into Pulp, Michael? Mm-hmm. Sort of. They're, I mean, they're, they're really like a Pulp yeah. pop thing, but we can. Well, that's a, that's, that's another episode. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna I was gonna answer and just say not in my orange juice, but can we give you points? You get yeah. two points. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right. Next question. According to some accounts, Tom York was lying down while recording the vocals for Planet Telex. Why? Oh. Lying down, huh? You guys make me so happy because like while going through these, I'm like, oh, they're going to know these. These are too easy. These are way too easy. This is a good one. This is a good one. Well, I'm guessing, I'm guessing it must have been, Are I'm guessing it must have been, he was going to say your name. You oh, say Tyler. Your name. <laughs> yes, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I was, um, I'm guessing it was because he was 
injured or something or is maybe he had like a hernia or that is, a slip in, disc? that is incorrect yeah. michael do you want to take a guess uh he was hung over not hung over he was sufficiently inebriated by, with wine the entire time he was recording oh, the vocals really? i did not know that <laughs> style huh. yes right. and so he was laying down uh uh, see, this comes back to, um, uh, well, well, we'll bring it up here. This comes back to when I mentioned that he just doesn't seem like he seems like a typical rock and roll lead singer. Tom York does with his actions, because the stuff that I read in terms of like the drinking, I read that he wrote creep because he followed this girl around and then she said, no, I'm not interested in you. Like these things that I've read about him, mind you, they are just one offs make him seem not the best person in well, the world. That's, that's, that's early Radiohead too. I think like he has definitely mm. changed as a person and as, as an artist. Even listening to him in interviews now, he just sounds like a very different person than he sounded when he was uh, younger. Yeah. Love that. We're all about a glow up in this life. So. <laughs> we are. He has done it too. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Next question. What lyric and how to disappear completely is a mantra given to Tom by Michael Stripe of R.E.M.? Michael. Yes. I'm not here. This isn't happening. Yes. That is true. And for a bonus point, Michael, Mm -hmm. why did Michael Stripe give him that mantra? Uh, I think it was primarily because uh, Tom York dealing with media and how, how to how to cope with like his newfound fame as a, you know, as a rock star, like how to how to deal with all of that. Yeah, I'll give it to you. It's for for his anxiety while on tour um, is, is what is what it helped him through. All right, that's a bonus point. So Michael has five. Tyler has two. Just letting you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. All right. What movie featured the song Fake Plastic Trees? Michael. After hearing... (laughs) Yes, Michael. Just say yes. Clueless. Yes. (laughs) I did know. Can we just? I just want to know. I knew that one. Well, the main character says, "Yuck, ugh." The maudlin music of the university station. What is it about college and crybaby music? I thought it was a beautiful quote. Bless her. Great movie. Uh, the songs "Airbag," "Stupid Car," and "Killer Cars" were all written due to a phobia of driving Tom York has had because of an accident. What year did the accident occur, resulting in Radiohead allegedly having more songs about car accidents than any other band? So it was Airbag, Stupid Car, and Those Killer Those are some cars. of the co- songs about car accidents, yes. Well, if it was, if it would ha- if it, okay, okay. Uh, and the, sorry, the question again was, was when did the car accident yes, happen? when did the car accident what happen? What year? Yep. Well, I don't know this are one. You saying you're Mike Lockenbach. But are you saying you're Tyler? Tyler. 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 I, I love how you're, you're co- your stream of consciousness uh, is yeah. always answering. I love it. Um, I'm going to guess 1995. 95? Michael, you want to oh, take no, a guess? I, I, that's not how this works. If, if, if he gets it wrong, then I get to guess it. No, no, no. I'm going to wait. If 95 is correct. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's okay. wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> it's there wrong. There you go. There you go. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, 94. 87 actually is when he was in the car accident. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I guess that kind of makes sense. Airbag could have showed up, could have showed up like very early on in their recording days, and maybe it just didn't make it to computer until 97. Yeah. 
Um, well, nice. on Airbags EP, the co- <laughs> on the cover, the number one four two six one four eight five five zero appears. When dialed with a zero, what slash who is the pre-recorded message? I just love interesting facts. Damn. I love interesting Damn, facts. Back. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I'm just going to take a guess. Michael. Buzz in, buzz in, um, buzz in. <laughs> I did. I buzzed it. Uh, I'm going to say um, it's the number for like the NHS in the UK. <laughs> no, but that's great. <laughs> right, Tyler, yes, Tyler. Tyler. I'll in. Uh, I'm guessing it is. I'm guessing it's Johnny Greenwood. Okay. What what is it of? What's the recording of? And I'm guessing it's some he's he's pretending to be some kind of government official and he's uh and he's telling you you've reached a very important hotline. Uh <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I love that's what you what both of you went to. It is actually Tom York just saying hello. <laughs> That's it. He's a nice guy. It is. It's actually that number is actually number to his old pager. So <laughs> when you dial it, it's just him saying hello, and that's it. Um, another interesting fact about that is um, they have said that they have taken anyone who calls that number and left a message. They've taken all the recordings and might possibly use it in the future on a song. Oh, cool. Who knows if they will, because it's been out for however long airbags. Yeah, it's like 25 out, years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've said they said, well, we have all the recordings still. So they've said that at least. So interesting. I bet they will. Oh, if they haven't already, they just in the background, just, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, Backwards. What is the name of the television program where the caller answers a phone saying, Pablo, honey, please come to Florida? resulting in the name of their breakout album <laughs> Pablo oh, Honey. Shit, I knew this I knew oh, this, this and I can't think of the name of it I know it too oh, it's left my Damn brain Hockenbach oh. you monster <laughs> you monster I love it I, I, I don't know I don't know uh, this I, no. I, I used to know but I can't think of the name no. Give me a give. The give. Jerky Boys. That's it. That's, That's it. it. They're just, just a prank, uh, prank call TV that program. That's right. Um, yeah. And it's also so they so another interesting fact is that they use the audio sample of that on their song. How do you is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another interesting thing about them using audio samples, which kind of goes back to the hello before is they used crowd noises. Um, there's this one story that I read where Tom was in a hotel, ran down outside just to record the crowd outside to start one of his, one of the songs. I can't remember which one it is. I should have wrote it down that it's just, it's just a crowd outside waiting for him in a hotel. I thought it was just interesting that they want to use the world around them to create this stuff. And I talks to what you guys kind of said about them. Oh yeah. Last, last question. I'm not going to tell you the points. It's neck and neck. (laughs) Uh, not really. Um, what is the name? What is the name of the AI that would interact with fans via AOL messaging systems to help promote their album Amnesiac? Uh, Michael. Yes, Michael. 
Googly Minotaur. It is. You said it already. And that yes. was just something you would say it again. Yes. Googly Minotaur. <laughs> um, actually, also one yes. of the first AI bots to interact with people in a chat. So Radiohead on cutting edge in terms of that as well. Um, oh, yeah. Great it's job. Soon to be our tattoo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tyler, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. You do not have an obsession <laughs> with Radiohead. You only have two points. I suppose not. <laughs> uh, I suppose not. And today's winner, Michael, you have seven. Congrats. Awesome. You've proven your wisdom. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Woo. You win nothing. Uh, <laughs> just very Radiohead-esque. Yes. nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, now the last yeah. part of this before we do plugs and everything is the talk nerdy to me section i want you to be able to tell um people listening to this kind of fast brief answers to why you love radiohead things that they should look out to for top three tyler we'll start with you tyler what are your top three albums in rainbows is number one okay computer is number two and the bends is number three michael okay computer kid a the bends Michael, on a desert island, you can only have one song that will play constantly on repeat. What is that song? Oh, man. <laughs> only one? Yep. <laughs> on, on repeat. We're talking lost situation. You're stuck with the Dharma Initiative and it's playing on repeat. <laughs> I, I think actually I'd go with I'd go with airbag if only because I feel like there there is something mildly optimistic about that song and it's just got a killer hook mm-hmm. at the beginning. I think I'd, I think it would be airbag for me. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with lucky, actually, uh, which was unexpectedly the best song that they that I saw them when the, both times I've seen them that was the best song they played even though it was never my favorite um I don't know there was just some there was something sweeping about it and it feels like that wouldn't grade against me if it had to be played on repeat I love it. <laughs> that is an interesting wrinkle to that question I yeah love it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm gonna go with my gut is saying lucky awesome from okay computer all right um for the top event question Tyler what is so this I I'm, I'm pulling an audible here I originally had one but since you guys talked about it so much I think this will be a better one what is the mm-hmm. best music video to watch of Radiohead oh yes <laughs> oh uh i kind of feel like uh michael the no no surprises is the one with his head in the box right yeah with, with the water that fills up yeah yeah i'm gonna say no surprises uh no no surprises is the one to start with uh, and I'm, so I'm not going to say just because that's that's Michael's. And then, uh, but then I also think one of their recent um, music videos for "Follow Me Around," which just came out, and Guy Pierce is in that one, nice. uh, is actually pretty pretty excellent too. So I would go with "No Surprises" uh, from OK Computer and "Follow Me Around" from the Amnesiac re-release. Nice, yeah. Michael. I mean, obviously, just uh, from the Benz, but I mean, also, I don't know either. Karma Police from OK Computer. The video for that is sufficiently freaky, and I think that that that's also a good intro to the band. Awesome. Well, it kind of goes into the next one, which is where should someone start to get into this, Michael? 
Where should they start, Michael? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's funny you should ask that question, Michael Achenbach, uh, because yeah. Tyler and I are actually putting together a playlist for your listeners that will oh be gosh, carefully yes. crafted to sort of uh, give them a good experience. Tyler, do you want to say a few things about the playlist? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be <laughs> great. And it's going to our goal with this playlist and we are playlist um we are big playlist people uh, is that we want to create a kind of complete overview of the band. So it'll be focusing on breadth rather than depth. But we also think that we're going to try to choose some songs that will give you uh, an experience of what they do really well. Uh, and it'll be very carefully sequenced to listen in order. And then from there, you can jump off to the individual albums um, based on what your taste is at the moment. But we thought that I would be a good that. way for I, your listeners that's to great. dive but right in. I, I, I would also say, though, that they should they should also start with the music videos. Because I think that, like we said at the very beginning of the episode, the idea that the the, the visual component and the music feel like they are, they are inseparable. And I think watching either the music videos created by the band themselves or even some of the fan-generated music videos are pretty mm. good, too. So mm-hmm. uh, that's another place I think would be a good, uh, a good way to start. I also want to just say... That they could watch the Scotch Mist, um, uh, Scotch Mist. It's it's like a film, basically. It's basically like a film, uh, which is vi- live recordings of them um, playing the songs from In Rainbows. That it's kind of strung together like a weird sort of antiquated film. That I think also gives a great um, sense of atmosphere uh, around the band. So go go look up Scotch Mist in nice. Rainbows as well. Awesome. Um, give me. A random fact about Radiohead. Whoever wants to go. I'll I'll go. I got it. Uh, The song Fake Plastic Trees off the Benz. They were having trouble recording that in the studio. And so the band left and went to go see Jeff Buckley perform live. And after they saw that concert, Tom was so moved. They went right back to the studio and he recorded the song, I think, in one or two takes. Uh, he was so moved by the concert. So when you hear him, his voice start to break towards the end of that recording, it, that is, that's a real thing happening. He oh. is ha- actually having an emotional moment there. Yeah. That's so cool. Mine's a lot sillier. Uh, there is, if you go into, if you go into the live videos and if you go down the rabbit hole of these um, uh, live performance videos on YouTube, you will see in a video of weird fishes um from later with jules holland from i believe 2007 colin greenwood is wearing a t-shirt that has a grizzly bear on it uh it is a white t-shirt with a black grizzly bear on it uh and then if you go and watch the um recording of tom and johnny playing at 2010 glastonbury doing just a set just the two of them just a few songs Johnny Greenwood, Colin's younger brother, is wearing that exact same shirt. <laughs> it is also notable because on the 2008 tour, uh, when the, ba- the American band Grizzly Bear <laughs> opened for Radiohead, Johnny came to the front and Johnny almost never speaks during live performances. Anyone can tell you that. It's true. Uh, he comes to the front before Radiohead starts their set and he says, I just want to thank my favorite band in the world, Grizzly Bear coincidence i think not (laughs) i feel like that random fact was you saving yourself from the nerdy knowledge section so good job (laughs) it was prepared even before i epically failed on that quiz so (laughs) 
love it. Yeah. Uh, next one for Talk Dirty to Me. Where is the best place someone should and can find Radiohead? I say start with citizeninsane.eu. That's citizeninsane.eu. It is a site that is basically a compendium of all the collected Radiohead knowledge that exists out there on the uh, on the internet, and it can take you can spend hours on there. It's every single live performance that they've ever had documented, and the set lists for those. It's a whole you know database of live performances and recordings and reviews and all sorts of different media. It's just an amazing thing. And then Michael has a few other fan sites you should check out too. Yeah, the fan sites are actually pretty good. Uh, there's uh, one called Green Plastic Radiohead. There's one called At Ease Web. There's one called uh, Follow Me Around. Um, and honestly, I think that if you're, after you've done some of your own digging, if you want to dig further, the fan sites are better, especially because their their website is fine. But I mean, when mm-hmm. uh, this is kind of a funny story about them, when a moon shaped pool was released a few days before the details about that came out, their website mysteriously disappeared. Like it actually yeah. started to fade away over like, I think a two oh, hour period and cool. then it faded to white. So for about 24 hours, if you went to their website, you got a big white screen. And then a few days later, they put a revamped website up there. But their, their website's fine. I think the fan sites are They better. recently rebranded it as the Radiohead Public Library, too. Like, that's that's kind of one element. So they're, they're, I think they're trying to create that sort of database um, sort of feeling as well. But the fan sites have been doing it for longer. <laughs> and they're doing a great job. Love it. Uh, next one. If I like blank... Then I will like Radiohead. Michael should start with this one because he's got he's got some good ones for this. I got some good ones. Um, if I like moody British bands, uh, anything associated with our impending apocalypse <laughs> or socialism, then I will like Radiohead. Um, mm-hmm. Also, even though I've never done them, I suspect that if you like shrooms, you will probably like Radiohead. But I, I haven't done them. Yeah, I like that. All those. I would also say if you like like there's moody british sci-fi like uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy paranoid android is a reference to marvin the paranoid android in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy so especially in the early for the early albums that kind of um sort of absurd um british sci-fi is definitely going if you like that then you'll definitely like their early albums and then as they get into the later albums i feel like if you like if you like the moody british um uh, police procedurals like Broadchurch and uh, things like that, then you'll probably dig their later albums too. So if, if you if you like a if you like a moody stuff, <laughs> so far I'm getting if you like Radiohead. moody, if you like yeah. British, if you like nerdy, if you like police, Sci-fi. if you like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, last one for both of you. If you know, you know section. I want you to talk to now the fans of Radiohead. Tell the fans of Radiohead only something that they will know or understand. Whoever wants to go first. I'll go. I'll go. Hey there, Radiohead fans. Wasn't it really cool the day you discovered that there was a second set of liner notes in Kid A hidden behind the CD cover in the the CD thing? Wasn't that really cool that day that you discovered that? I was. Admit it. It was pretty cool. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) Hey. Hey, Radiohead fans. Hey, all you, <laughs> hey, all you lovers out there. Um, does anybody else, <laughs> does anybody else think Adams for Peace was a little overrated? <laughs> I did too. <laughs> they, had, they had one really good song. One really good song. One really song. good song. And it was Ingenue. Def- no, it was Default. 
Oh, uh, see, no, no, see, I think it was on you. I think on you. Right, you guys can't even right. agree on what you hate. Uh, <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, I for sure think I'm going to give early Radiohead a chance after this because I think that is that's where I'm going to connect with them probably more. Yeah, start there. Um, very excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you again. Now I'm looking at my outline to figure out where we're going. Of course, we're going to plugs. I don't need to thank you guys yeah. anymore. Uh, tell them where to find you guys. <laughs> thank, you, though. Oh, thank you Stop for having it. us. I'm great. I'm, I know now we're all, we're all real podcasters now because we've been on other people's podcasts. So now we're <laughs> yeah, legit. We're the real it's deal. true. We've been guests and hosts. So it's watch out world. <laughs> With that, tell tell my listeners about your podcast. Uh, this one goes to 11 um, and where they can find you, where they can follow you. Plug away, gentlemen. So we're on, we're on the socials we are on uh facebook and instagram primarily instagram these days is kind of where we uh, where we put most of our stuff uh we are at this one what is it is it at this one goes to 11 podcast yeah and it's the one is spelled out like a word 11 is the number yeah so we're at this one goes to 11 podcast on instagram you can find us on facebook too um if you want to shoot us an email uh we are this one goes to 11 podcast at gmail.com um we're having a great time doing this. It's it's a podcast for people to come on and make their case for what they believe is a quote unquote perfect album. So perfect, in fact, that 10 out of 10 just isn't good enough. There, there it is. is. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put, put some this. background music behind that so you guys can just take it as an ad. If you listen to our podcast, I would say all but one episode. We we well even in the episode we we managed to add it back in. We drop Radiohead every 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 single episode. It gets yeah, mentioned. <laughs> it almost didn't come up in mind until the very end, and they make a point of stringing it up, but it almost didn't it's make true. it. In. <laughs> Anything else we need to shout out? I think that's. Um, um, I mean, I would also just give a shout if 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 you want to listen to a Radiohead side project, The Smile released their album this year, and it's called uh, A Light for Attracting Attention, and it's pretty damn good as far as I'm concerned. I think it's nice. solid. When, yeah. yeah. When we talk about side projects, just to let everyone know and listeners, it's normally it's one, if not one or two people from the band, or is it generally always just one person that goes off and does something else? This, this one is unique because it's two people because it's Tom York and Johnny Greenwood, whereas usually yeah. it's just one of them and they've all had side projects, I think, but just, just solo. This, this is unique. Nice. It's two of them. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. And thank you, all the listeners who are listening. Um, as always, if you want to connect with us at Nerdy Obsession, you can reach out in our socials or our email. The social is your nerdy O on TikTok, Insta, and Twitter. And then email us at yournerdyo at gmail.com if you have other things you want to bring up in Radiohead um, or anything of that nature. We, of course, will bring talk about anything that we missed here in our follow up episode. With but until then, thank you all. Have a good day. Bye. Avengers Assemble.